All right, so uh, let's talk about prayer. Uh, right off the bat, uh, I just want to say that prayer is not a ritual. It's not a, not, not a magic formula uh, or any of that. It, it's a conversation. And there are different kinds of prayer. So we will get to that probably later on. I don't think we'll get there today, but uh, we'll get to the different kinds of prayers for different situations. And uh, I think that will be very helpful. There are some things that people struggle with. And so we'll, we'll touch on that. And of course, if you have a question, you, uh, you know to, uh, to ask right away. So we start off here with uh, a quote by John Wesley. Now, John Wesley was a founder of a Methodist church, which back then was very different from the Methodist churches of today. It was a, a massive movement. And also came to the States and, and did some amazing work in the States. These are, they were very hard-working people. Uh, they got the name Methodists because they had strong methods that they stuck to. And so he earned themselves a name that way. So this is John Wesley. If you can find this story, it's a very interesting story uh, to read. But he said this. It seems God is limited by our prayers, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And even those who have been converted to God without praying for it themselves, which is exceeding rare, were not without the prayers of others. Every new victory which a soul gains is the effect of a new prayer. So it really comes down to this, and I think it's very important for us to understand that uh, uh, we, have, we have legal rights as inhabitants of the earth. As long as we live in this, this body is our passport to life on earth. The moment you're separated from this body, you have no business here. You're out, you're gone. You're not here anymore. <coughs> So, because we have these rights, you always, when you, when you think about God and, and, and how things happen, you always have to think of a court case. So, the devil is there, and he, <coughs> he, he believes, or he wants to believe, that people want to follow him, like Adam and Eve did. And God says, well, I made them their mind. Uh, I think they want to follow me. And so, uh, after Adam and Eve fell uh, in sin, they became slaves of the devil. There's a law that says that the one whom you obey, you become his slave. And so they became slaves of the devil. So, and, and the stewardship that Adam had, that God had given Adam, to, to, to take care of his work on earth was he abdicated that to the devil. So he is what Paul calls the God of this world. And he is. He's in charge. And he has it for a, a set time. That set time is coming to an end as we saw in the book of Revelation. Uh, but right now he has legal rights here. Just remember when, when Jesus was tempted, he told Jesus, he says, look at all these kingdoms, they're all mine, and I'll give it to whom I want to. I want you to worship me, I'll give it to you. And Jesus didn't say that he lied or anything because it was true. He, he was, and he still is, still uh, on uh, this day, the God of this world. So he has legal rights because of that. But we have legal rights as citizens of, of the earth. And now, this is where prayer comes in. We have a right, we have the right to talk to God and ask his intervention. And that gives God, see, if, if God just comes and changes everything, that would be an illegal act. And God is a righteous, just God. 
the devil cannot point a finger at God and say, well, you use your power to do things that are not right. He cannot say that. So God's always righteous. He's always just. And, uh, but now, because we are, we are here legally, we have the right to ask God's intervention in our circumstances, in situations, and so on. And that is what uh, John Wesley meant by this quote. That God, it seems like God cannot do anything for humanity unless somebody asks him. That opens a door for God to come in legally. So you understand, just by saying that, the tremendous uh, importance of prayer. That when you pray, it's not just something that that you do right uh, uh, off the top of your head and uh, once you're done, it's done. No. Uh, you actually trigger something in the heavenlies and invoke major invoke major power to be involved. But now if you don't think about it and you don't believe it, well, obviously everything happens by faith. So when we pray, and that's why the Bible continues to tell us that uh, if you go to God, you have to go in faith. Because without faith, you cannot please God. And so that's where those two come together. All right, so um, then in Hebrews, there's a text I quote there in the notes, Hebrews 5, verses 4, uh, 4 sorry, 15 and 16. Uh, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may, may obtain mercy and find grace in, uh, to help in time of need. So, when there's a need for grace or mercy, uh, we can go to the throne room boldly. Now, here's a little bit of an irony there. So, when we, we, we find ourselves in a, in a situation where we need grace, or mercy, which means we're in trouble. That's when we're not bold anymore. We don't. We feel I don't. I don't have the right to go to God. I have this in my life, or I have that in my life, or this happened, or that happened, and and I I feel more guilty instead of being bold. Uh, and so that's a little uh, barrier, I believe, that we need to overcome. That when we we have a standing invitation. Uh, to go into the throne room of God and, and bring our case before Him when we are in need of grace. So grace is when God supplies when we fall short. Uh, mercy is when we've done something and we need uh, God's forgiveness. It's a little bit like this. Uh, Grace is to receive what we do not deserve. Mercy is to not receive what we do deserve. And we need both. And when we need any of those, uh, we, we, don't, we don't crawl into the throne room. We come boldly. Because we are going to a God with Jesus sitting at his right hand, and he endured the same temptations that we endure. So it says here, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. So we go to, we go to somebody who understands what we go through. He can sympathize with us. And so therefore, he is able, very able to help us. There's a beautiful verse there in Hebrews 7, verse 25. It says that uh, he always lives to make intercession for us. Always. So, uh, even if we don't think about it, 
Jesus is making intercession for us. That's a type of prayer, and we'll get to that. But it means to, 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 to pray on behalf of somebody else. Because, for whatever reason, he doesn't feel like praying, he doesn't know to pray, uh, he feels guilty, whatever. When, you, when, when there's, there's that kind of situation, Jesus intercedes and prays on our behalf. Which is a very powerful thought, because can you imagine Jesus interceding for you? God will not answer his prayer. Well, he said, sits at his right hand, right there. So, um, uh, very powerful uh, prayer. Then, uh, also, Paul says we are ambassadors. So, I was thinking this morning, and maybe one day I need to take a deep look at that, but I, I, I think we, we look at, at everything that God is for us, and it's a long list, but we sometimes forget who we are to Him. And one of the things that we are to God is ambassadors. We're ambassadors. We, uh, heaven is our home. We are here on a mission. And our headquarters is in heaven. We get our instructions from heaven. We have contact with heaven. Uh, there are some things that we need to bring before the king, like an ambassador does. And so uh, we are. We need to see ourselves as representatives of heaven as we live here on earth. So that contact, when you contact head office, that's fair. You're going to share some information. Uh, you're going to ask help, ask provision, whatever it is. There's a situation here, and we need the head office to intervene or to help. That's prayer. That is part of what prayer is. So we are ambassadors, and we should not forget that one. Sometimes we forget that we are here on a mission, and that we have work to do. And this work is very important because there are, there are eternal consequences. Uh, there's a lot at stake here. So our prayers are not just something that we do. I think religion taught us, you, you just say a few words before you go to bed. Often it's just a rhyme that you say, and it doesn't come out of your heart. It's maybe a, a prayer that somebody else wrote for a different situation, a different place, and another time. <laughs> and it has no bearing on, on, on where you're at and what you're dealing with. So God's not looking for that. He's looking for what comes out of your heart. That's the only prayer that really matters. Uh, you know, if, if, if you, you just bring a poem or uh, a little prayer that somebody else wrote, something like that, it, it's not very different from sorcery. Thinking that I've spoken the magic words and God's going to respond to that. That's sorcery. You don't work with God. That is a personal God. <laughs> uh, and he looks into our hearts. You know, God is spirit, and we connect with him, with our spirit being. And so what comes out of our heart is really what matters. It, 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 you know, it, it is something that I, I, I believe religion is really sidetracked Christians by these different things that they do. So ambassadors concern themselves with their assignment, for their, their personal needs are taken care of by the government, right? So if you're an ambassador, you don't have to worry about who's going to pay the rent and who's going to, do, to pay for the groceries and stuff like that. That's not your business, quite frankly. Now, Jesus speaks about this extensively in, in, in Matthew chapter 6. It's a very beautiful chapter, especially in the last part. There in verse 33, he says, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God. That means you put kingdom business first. That's your mission. That's your assignment. Uh, that's first. You, you know, in everything you do, you've got to 
uh, put the kingdom first. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means right standing with God. And then he will add to you whatever you need. And that's the contract we have. That's, that's our contract that we have with head office as ambassadors. It's your letter of appointment, you know. You do this, I do that. This is your job, I will pay you. That's it. And as long as we stick to that contract, we will do well. But sometimes we forget we're on a mission, we're ambassadors and so on. And of course, then things don't work out for us. And uh, then uh, we run into issues. When we have left our family and our country to become missionaries, you know, I had a very uh, high-paying uh, job in a bank. And uh, that last night, <laughs> uh, I made this contract with God. And I said to him, I will look after your children if you look after mine. That's our contract. And I'll tell you what, he honored that contract. When we sat on that plane, I realized that we did not have the financial support that we needed. We didn't have it. And uh, I, I had to throw myself fully on God. And he honored that contract. He really, really took care of us. Now, there were times when there were challenges, but he always met them. Sometimes the last minute, but he always met them. Never once did we have to say, I don't have money. Never once did we have to say that, ever. God was always there. So that's our contract, that's our, our letter of appointment, if you will. So here I quoted a, a few verses here from Matthew 6, uh, 31 to 34. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You just deal with what you're dealing with. God will take care of the rest. That's it. You know. It's, it, it's good to, 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 little, to have a little understanding uh, of ourselves as, as ambassadors of heaven. It will clear up a lot of issues for us right away. Of course, we need to, we need to live and work and, 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 and be the ambassadors that God wants us to be. So, uh, God gave us the instrument or the tool of prayer for a reason. And Jesus encourages us to pray. Now, there are some people that say, uh, God is sovereign. And he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. So they find no reason for prayer. Well, if that's the case, then why did Jesus tell us to pray and teach us to pray? And why does Paul teach us to pray? And why did Paul pray so much? And we have so many of his prayers recorded for us to see how we pray and what we should pray for. It's, it's all in there. So that whole argument really falls away. There was a time when uh, Moses was leading the Israelites and they were difficult, very, very stubborn, difficult people. And they gave him, they gave him a hard time. And, he went to, and God was getting fed up with them. He actually told Moses, he said, you just step aside, I'm going to deal with them. He's going to obliterate them. That was, that was his plan. He said, I'm going to open the earth and swallow them. And Moses interceded. And God relented. That's the power of prayer. You bring a matter before God. And he said, he said God, you cannot do that. What will the Egyptians say after you, 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 you led them out of Egypt in such a miraculous way and now you destroy them? So we started arguing with God, and God relented. So prayer definitely touches the heart of God. 
and it should never be seen as something that doesn't matter. It really does matter. So the Bible teaches us what to pray for, how to pray, and uh, we will get into, uh, into that as we go through this. So the first thing we're going to look at, and very, very, very important, is the will of God. Uh, God is not obliged to answer prayers that fall outside of his will. He, uh, God only honors his work, which is a good reason why we need to know the word, uh, so that we can know the will of God. We find the will of God in the word of God. And uh, Jesus told us, that uh, he gave a, a model prayer, which is not a prayer that you pray and think, uh, God's going to answer this prayer because Jesus gave us that prayer. If it doesn't come out of your heart, it really doesn't mean anything. Uh, you're just uh, fooling yourself. That's, that's all it is. You deceive yourself. So that prayer is a model prayer. It's not a prayer that you need to pray and think, well, that, yeah. sometimes you need more than what's in that prayer, right? You, you, you need to be specific in your request. And not just come with a, with a kind of a generalized uh, petition when you really need some specific things. So finding the will of God is, uh, is, is of greatest importance. But Jesus told us in that prayer, uh, one of the things he included was that God's will will be done on earth at, as it is in heaven. Now, that's a very important line. When we look at heaven, and we just went through the book of Revelation, you find there's a whole lot of things absent in heaven that we have on earth, right? <laughs> So to, to, to pray about those things, that would fall right into the middle of the will of God. We are dealing with things here that we don't see in heaven, and we can ask God for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven there's no sickness. There's no, none of the things that we struggle with here is, is here. So uh, we have a very strong uh, foundation for prayer there. Uh, also, personally, I think that, that it, it is a good thing before you go to pray to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to go and have an audience with the King of Kings. Now, sometimes, and we'll get to that, you rush in there when there's an emergency. And we run to God as our Father. But when we go to Him as King of Kings, as God, the Creator of the universe, uh, this protocol that I think is, is, uh, has to be observed. You, you don't rush in there. You approach God in a certain way. And uh, in that prayer that, that, that Jesus gave as a model prayer, He starts off with saying, Hallowed be your name. So... If we don't do that, we kind of uh, are more overwhelmed with our problem than we are with God's greatness and his power and his ability to answer our prayer, you know. So it's a good thing. And I found that when I, when I pray is, I spend quite a bit of the first while of my prayer of worshiping God. Mm -hmm. Now, my faith begins to rise. I know God is he's the all-powerful God. He's the all-knowing God. He's the all-seeing God. There's nothing impossible for God. And I begin to worship. Now my faith is rising. I'm, I'm dealing with a God now that is fully capable of answering my prayer. And so uh, you prepare, you have your petition, there are things that uh, you want to pray for and maybe make a note of them, whether it's a mental note or on a piece of paper, uh, that, that would be a good thing to do if you want to pray effectively. Now, 
when we get to intercession, uh, we'll probably touch on that, but uh, people who are intercessors keep a journal. And with dates and everything. And, and we did it at some point, and you will be surprised. You will be surprised. And, and the good thing about that is when you go through it and you write in when the answer came and so on, at least it gives you an opportunity to thank God. And not just pray and receive and never go back to thanking. Because that's a very important part of prayer. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us that when we bring our petitions before God, we do it with thanksgiving, fully knowing that God will answer. You already thank That's an act of faith in God and in his, his ability. The other thing uh, that we sometimes forget is that God loves us and we, he will answer our prayer if it's not for anything but because he loves us. And we just know that when we go to God, I'm going to God who loves me. I have favor with him because of what Jesus did. And so you stand, you kind of prepare the ground that you're standing on. So that when you stand there, you can stand there boldly. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking when we are Christians come with this, uh, they just get themselves on a guilt trip when they go to God. They're so inferior, they are so useless that, you know, they have no standing before God. But, but to come with that attitude really takes away uh, the work that Jesus did on the cross. Because he qualified me to come before God. But when I come with that attitude, I disqualify myself, you know. And so when we go to God with whatever request we have, you never beg. You go boldly in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You don't beg. You don't have to beg. You're a child of God. <laughs> he adopted you. And when he adopted you, with that adoption, uh, he took on the responsibility for you. You don't have to beg. You don't beg. People who don't know God beg. We have no relationship with him beg, because that's all they have. And they have no faith. They have no faith. Faith never begs. Faith Thanks. Faith comes with gratitude, not with begging. So, here come two of the most important verses, probably, when uh, we think of prayer, and that's in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, verses 14. 14 and 15, and I, I, I do recommend that you, you kind of uh, memorize them and, and visit them often, because you can never forget that. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Confidence is faith. But if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Man, that is, that, that is that solid ground for prayer. So the part that says, according to his will. Yes. So if we're asking something in prayer, but it's not according to his will. Well, then he's not obliged to answer, right? So that's why I said you, when you go to God, you prepare first. Make sure that what you're going to pray for is in the will of God. Okay. So, and, and it's not that simple. It, the will of God is not mysterious, like people say. It is not a mystery at all. It's all written down. So every promise that God ever made, 
is the will of God. He would never make a promise without, outside of his will. <laughs> Everything that Jesus died for on the cross is the will of God. Otherwise, he would never have died for it. So you kind of reason that way, and, and, and you read Scripture, and you begin to pick up what the will of God is. It's not the will of God that any should perish, but that everyone should come to the knowledge of salvation. So when you pray for someone's salvation, you stand on solid ground. You're right in the middle of the will of God. You can't go wrong to pray that way and to have faith because you're touching uh, a nerve in the heart of God, especially when you pray for someone's salvation. That's the number one thing in the heart of God, is to get uh, uh, people out of the way to hell and into heaven. That is what. So uh, very, very important. So that's how we, we go about, when we have our requests, we look at our needs, and we go and we see what God says about it. Then we know it's the will of God. Understand it's the will of God. So what would be kind of an example of what would not be the will of God when you say a prayer? Uh, selfish things. Okay. Like what? Like, let's say I, I need transportation, I pray, I ask, ask God for a car, or I'm asking for a Lamborghini. Oh, oh wow. No, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if uh, you like the other lady's husband, and you pray for him to be your husband. Oh, really? You know, yeah. stuff like that. No, no, I don't yeah. go It's extreme. It's extreme, but, but it gives you an idea. Okay. Yeah, so there are some things that you need to search your heart and see if, it, if it's a selfish need or a real need that I need to have supplied. Uh, here's a verse again, Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that rewarder is the answer to prayer. So when we go, we, I'm going fully knowing that what I'm asking is the will of God, and because... I know it's the will of God. Uh, Apostle John said, if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And when we know he hears us, we know we will have what we've been asking for. So, prepare well. Spend some time. Now, if, if there's a crisis in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, so you're rushing there. You're going to your father. You just rush in there. But when you come with, with uh, let's say, as an ambassador, and there are some things that need to be dealt with and brought under God's attention, not that he doesn't know, but it's a, it's, it's a business uh, conversation. Uh, there's a different approach to God. I, I, I believe God loves both. Both are necessary. Uh, I believe God loves it when there's a crisis, some, some sudden crisis. You just rush in there and ask God. Uh, but he also there's a place to approach him uh, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Okay, so prayer, right at the bottom of that, page 4, Connect you with heaven. So that's a live connection that you have, a dedicated line, if you will, that you have with heaven. And uh, Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing, which means you, 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 you go through your day in a prayerful attitude, always conscious, conscious of God. And if something shows up, you can always bring it before it. Because you're always in touch with him. And you have a life connection with God. 
When I'm praying for healing of someone else, and there's a list of people, okay? I have a list of people that I'm praying for for healing all over here in the U.S. And what I say is, afterwards, if it's your will, please help this situation. Well, if my history of prayer for healing is a low percentage, okay? So obviously it wasn't his will to heal the people and most of those people that I prayed for died. So um, how do we keep encouraged when we're begging him, basically? Well, I would answer this way, that if you know healing is the will of God, then you don't say if it is your will. Mm -hmm. I meant for them to... Because you know it is your will. To heal that person completely like Marcy. Okay. <laughs> or... And, and my, my friend Lisa at home, she's basically gone. Yeah. So... Well, I, I think by... By, by beginning to say, if it is your will, that, that that's going to reveal doubt. Because you know it is his will. So you're not, when you say, if it is your will, there, there's no boldness there. So you think that he's not healing these people because I'm not bold enough? Uh, no. So I don't know if you were here when we went through the healing teaching. No. Okay. So when we, when we talk about healing, they, so they, they, not, not everybody is healed, unfortunately. And, and there are some reasons that we know why they're not healed, but we don't know all of them. So there are some reasons why God doesn't heal, and we don't know. We don't, we don't, we don't know it all. You know, uh, unforgiveness in a person's heart. You've got to deal with that first before God's going to heal you. Or sin. You got yourself into sin. You're living in sin, uh, and you need healing now. But you got to deal with that first, because it's a stumbling block. You know. Otherwise, God healing you is almost as if He condones it. You know, just carry on. So there are some things: uh, uh, unhealthy lifestyles, unhealthy diet, stuff like that. You know, you got to deal with that. But there are, there, uh, we don't know all the reasons. We know some reasons, but we don't know them all. Well, my belief has always been that the people that I have asked for is, and they died anyway, is that God wanted them in heaven, and it was their time to go. And these, were not, these were not sinners, is what I'm saying. Yeah. These were people that, you know, were born again, a born again sure. Christian yeah. that died, yeah. and we have people now that are dying. Yeah, yeah. We don't, as I say, we don't know all the reasons. You know, we, we had a similar situation, and I did mention it uh, a while back. But we had a woman in church, and she was, uh, she was one of those. She could lift the whole congregation in worship. Very beautiful Christian, very beautiful Christian, and and I mean the word of God just poured out of her. She could quote scriptures from, from this translation and that one and that one. It just poured out of her. And then one day, she came to see me and said, well, I've been diagnosed with lung cancer. It's a very small tumor. And I said, well, just, just have it taken away. She said, no, 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 I'm going to trust God to, to heal me. Yeah. And so a few months later, they, she with her husband came and... Uh, uh, she said, well, the tumor has grown, I said, but it, it still can be operated on. I said, well, go for the surgery. She said, no. They both said, no, we trust in God. Well, the long story short, she died of lung cancer. Sure. Uh, and, and I was very troubled as I saw the progress of the sickness, you know. But, and, and, and she was such a person of faith and full of the Word of God and this beautiful worship, I mean, she lifted the whole congregation. 
And then one day she said to me, I'm full of fear, I, I, I fear. Now that is a no-no. Because fear and faith don't dwell together. Yeah. So that's the first thing that came up. That I didn't know. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't read her as a person with fear. I saw her as a person that's very bold and full of faith. And it also came out that her husband smoked. And that's where the cancer came from. So there are some issues there. You know, we don't know. I, I don't want to make uh, a judgment on this thing. But there are some things that we just don't know about. And I, I don't think we should, when that happens and a faithful saint dies, that we need to go and analyze it. You know, some, some things just fall outside of our purview. We cannot make a judgment on that. We just need to accept that. Well, I always end up saying, well, they're in a better place, you know, to get out of here. And that's another thing, you know. Healing to stay here is hard when you want to be there. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I asked for their healing, but am I bold enough because I'm thinking, well, would I rather them be here? Would I rather them be in heaven? Maybe they want to be there too. Yeah, they're praying against your prayer of healing. They don't want to heal. They want to. Well, my friend Lisa, she's ready. She's like, Joanne, I'm ready. I wish I would die today. And she knows. And what can I say when somebody says that? I don't want her to leave. I don't want to see her again. But I know she's in a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah, at least we have that comfort, you know, that uh, even if we don't accomplish that healing, we still know that not all is lost. You know, there's a future. So it is a, it is a difficult uh, topic, and, and we have some answers, and uh, there are some reasons why people don't, people don't get healed, and these are things that they need to deal with. But there are some things that we don't know. We just don't know. And I don't think we should judge anybody when, uh, when we don't see that healing manifest. No, I'm not going to judge myself or that person. Because you don't know. You, know. you just leave that with God. And we continue on. Even if everybody dies, you continue on to pray for healing. You never stop. Because you know this is the will of God. And maybe somewhere... Uh, as you continue on, you're going to learn some things that God will teach you. you know, I, I know people who have what we would call a healing ministry. They go out on the mission field and uh, uh, they have sick people come and pray for them. Yeah. And, and, and the first people that they lay hands on don't get healed. Nothing happens. Well, it's a, a little bit discouraging. Yes. But you don't stop. Because you believe. And maybe you're just being tested to see if you really believe. Or it's just a nice to have. And, 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 and maybe some of them do that for themselves to be exalted as the man of God of power and faith and all that kind of stuff. Because God's not going to do that. You know, I mean, that is selfish ambitions that God's not going to get into. So we need to search our hearts. Uh, and in the end, when we don't get our answer, you just got to leave it with God. And some things he might answer later, some answers we might never see. But it's not a reason to stop praying for the will of God, as we, we find it in Scripture. Uh, it, it often happens which is very heartbreaking for a Bible student like myself when people quote scripture out of context and try to make things that don't really exist. Uh, so I'm just saying that, that uh, context is everything. When we read scripture, study scripture, you, you cannot read a verse or two. It, it, it just it, it doesn't work that way. You've got to read more and stay within context. So 
one, one of them is, and I, I see it in social media sometimes, people say, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's a nice verse, Philippians chapter 4. But that's not all it says. When you read the context, what, you, what, the, what Paul actually meant was, there was a time when he didn't have food to eat. He said, well, I can do that. And I was cold. But I can, I can handle that. I can do that because Christ strengthens me. I can do that. Or, you know, stuff like that. They can say, uh, uh, whatever you desire, ask, and it will be given to you. That's another one. Actually, I have that quote here on page 5. It's from John chapter 15, verse 4. Uh, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. Now, that's already a good qualification to have. I, I need to abide in him and he in me. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone is not abiding me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. See, you cannot quote only that part. You've got to quote the whole thing. <laughs> By this my Father is glorified <coughs> that you bear much fruit, so he will be my disciples. So, uh, when you look at the vine and the branches, the branches are the fruit-bearing part of the vine. So we bear the fruit of Christ. The fruit's on us, right? We get our life from him, the strength from him, our connection with him. It flows into the branches. But we, today in the world, we are his fruit-bearing part. So we need to show the world the love, the grace, the mercy, and... Uh, uh, the fruit that the world needs. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which really is the, not the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's the fruit of your Spirit, your born-again Spirit. You know, or, or there's nine of them. So we are His fruit-bearing part, and we can only bear that fruit when we are in Him. We're connected with Him. So what is the will of God? Whatever brings glory to him. And it includes everything that Jesus accomplished at the cross. And so I mentioned Isaiah 53. Jesus bore our griefs, which is our sicknesses, our sorrows, which is our pains. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. That's sin problem. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, mental wellness. By his stripes we are healed, present tense. Peter, in his epistle, looks back at the cross and he says, by his stripes we were healed. So Jesus purchased that healing on the cross already. So I always see it like this, that healing exists because Jesus purchased, purchased it. It's there. Now it needs to manifest into a sick body. That's what needs to happen. But that healing is there. It's purchased. It's there. Bringing it into the natural is the issue. And that is that where that connection with God is so vital, that faith in Him, that trust in Him, and so on. You know, it's, it's very, very hard to, to set aside the symptoms that you feel and see 
and be more convinced of God's willingness and his ability to heal. We must be careful not to see the sickness as bigger than God. It's a struggle that you're going to have inside of you. Uh, I was once in South Africa and I had to preach there on a Sunday morning. And I hurt my back Saturday. And a terrible, terrible pain. I, I couldn't sit or stand or lie down. Or I didn't know what to do with myself. And I, I, I knew that I could not go and stand and preach like this. And my brother-in-law was a pastor and he had a doctor in the congregation. He said, I, I, I'll get a doctor to come look at you. I said, no, it's all right. Okay. But I took that battle, that fight, to my room that evening. And I fought that thing until I felt I, I had the upper hand where God was greater than my pain. I, I fought that thing. And Sunday morning, I still had some pain, but it was nothing like what it was the day before. It was mostly gone. And I learned a lesson there. So it, 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 is, it is sometimes, it is a struggle. It's a war that you fight. And there may be more battles inside the war than just one. You know? It's just the way, look, you're fighting against the devil. But he's the author of that sickness. And he's a very powerful enemy. So you cannot just say a few words and, and, and sometimes there is a fight there. There's a spiritual war that you fight. And you keep going, you keep going until you feel in your spirit I'm gaining the upper hand now. You know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm crossing that, that, uh, that critical point, that, that tipping point, and I'm stepping into faith now. It's a, it's, a, it's a fight, it's a war that you fight. So, uh, Jesus wouldn't die for anything that's against the will of God. So we can assume uh, that everything that, that Jesus accomplished at the cross, that we read about in Isaiah 53 uh, and other places, would, would be some of that, and also the promises of God. God made a promise. He revealed his promise, reveals his will to you. That, that, that's what the promise really is is what God wants for you to have. We will look at some reasons why uh, we don't see answers a little later on in this study. Uh, I think, you know, we, we spoke about selfish things, and I think we're touching on it here. Uh, so we do a search of our hearts. And yes, a quote here on page 6, uh, 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the last of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So you do some soul searching, Romans 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read... Uh, Quite a few verses for us in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the Psalm of David. And this is after uh, he did some bad stuff, pretty bad stuff. Uh, he had his shenanigans with Bathsheba, and he had his husband killed. And he, was, he said nothing about it. He just, you know 
kept quiet. And God sent the prophet to him to confront him with that sin. And so he's going through, it says here in Psalm 51, it's a prayer of repentance. Now repentance means to change your ways. That's what repentance means. You have to change your ways. So I don't want to read the whole psalm. Um, but there's, uh, there's a few verses here that I think are very helpful. Verse, yeah, we can read verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart of God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. It's kind of prayer that David prayed after he sinned. And he's just coming for God in this old psalm. Read the old psalm when you have time. He's, he's just coming clean before God and he wants to restore his fellowship with God. And sometimes you get to a place, especially when you go to prayer, to make sure that there are no hidden agendas or selfishness or carnal things in, in that prayer request that you're going to uh, bring before God. Uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So you have the Holy Spirit and he's coming alongside. He's coming to help you. And which is another reason why I think sometimes it's good to spend a little bit of time meditating on the Word of God, your relationship with Him, look inside of you and see if there's anything there that doesn't please God and get rid of it first. It'll do increase your boldness in the presence of God. Uh, there is uh, another one of these studies that I'll hand out sometime later on, it's called uh, Spiritual Disciplines. Uh, very, very interesting. It just goes right deep into, into our connections with God, our relationship with Him, our fellowship with Him. And just helps us to come in a right relationship with Him. So we'll get to that uh, later on. And, Prayer also has a little bit of a chapter there. So there is something when we talk about prayer, of course, you know, in a little study like this, uh, you can only do so much, but uh, there are some things that I have learned through the years that I don't need to pray for. And I've listened to the times when we were in a church and the prayer meetings, what people were praying for actually revealed, first of all, that they didn't have a living relationship with God because they're asking for things that they shouldn't ask for. Also, they didn't have, they were very ignorant concerning the Word of God because they were asking for things that God already gave them in Christ. That's tragic. And so we will get to that. 
you know, we're learning. As I said, it, it, you know, it's part of, I, I believe, my own growth where I began to notice these things. Because naturally, uh, you know, we, when we, we start out as Christians, uh, you just pray about whatever comes to mind, you know. But as you grow in the Word of God, you begin to see things and you begin to change your focus so that you are more aligned in your prayer with the will of God. So one of the things that I learned was I don't pray for personal needs. Because Jesus very explicitly says there in, in, in Matthew 6, and the part that we read a little earlier, that God will take care of us. My part is seek first the kingdom. His part is to take care of me. And we walk in that contract, that covenant. We walk in that covenant. As long as I'm in that covenant, I'm not going to worry about anything. That's God's problem. That's God's problem. Not my, I'm not going to make it my problem. It's his problem. My, my, my issue, my problem, if you will, is how can I advance the kingdom? What can I do? To advance the kingdom of God on earth. That's my, that is my business. So in some sense, prayer is a business meeting with the king. I picture myself sitting around a big corporate uh, table in a, in a corporate uh, conference room and God sitting there at the, at the head of the table and we're talking kingdom business. That's prayer. So when I pray, I, I see that sometimes as I'm doing kingdom business here. I'm talking with God and he's telling me things and, and that, that's how we do it. Uh, and so there are some things that I do not pray for. But there are some things that I must pray for. And I, I've learned a lot by accident I haven't learned it from anybody else or Bible school or any book that I read or anything. But as I studied scripture, I, I, I began to pick up the prayers of the Apostle Paul and zoomed in on what he prayed for and found out that Paul only prayed for the church. And that's a very big point to make. It's huge. The church is God's battle axe. That's God's representative. That's his ambassador. That, that's who God has on the earth. He has nobody else but the church. He has no hands, no feet, no voice. It's the church. And so the church really, really, really deserves our prayer according to the will of God. Where does God want to go with the church? What does he want to do? And you know, when you look at the church today, it's, it's quite a miserable picture, to be honest. It failed, mostly. I wouldn't say all churches failed, obviously. But let me tell you, in, in general, most churches are failing. They fail. They, they are looking inward. Instead of outwardly, they do what the New Age people do. They do navel-gazing and they fall in this kind of trance and, uh, you know, whatever they do. It's always inside, you know. But they have no business with the outside. Uh, and so when you study the prayers of Paul, and there's quite a few, some are longer than others, but some just a little blind. If you begin to look what Paul prayed for, you begin to understand the will of God for the church. Now, here is, here is a prayer, and look at this, now look at this. Colossians 4, is right there above, points to ponder. Uh, Colossians 4, verse 12. So this Epaphras character, uh, he was from the church at Colossae, but he worked with Paul. And he introduced the teachings of Paul to that church. Paul never went there in person. So Epaphras was the contact. 
between the two. Now look at him. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. <coughs> now look, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. What a prayer. What a prayer to pray for the church, to stand complete and perfect in all the will of God. Now, if, if this was the prayer, if this prayer was prayed, this kind of prayer was prayed through the ages, you would have seen a different church today, for sure. It would be totally different. But people don't understand God's will for the church. They don't understand. You know, it's become a social club, and I, I don't know what to call it, to be honest. I don't know what to call it. Uh, but we failed. We failed. We really, really do. So, but it's not too late. We can still, and I, I believe we should pray this for the church. Globally. Worldwide. Pray for the church, that the church will stand complete and perfect in all the will of God. We start praying for that, some of them will change and come closer to God and, and forget all the carnal stuff that they, uh, that they are into. Okay, so uh, let's stop there for today. Are there any questions? Anything you want to add? We're all going to be epiphrases now. It's not a long prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. It's a very powerful prayer. So when we're done uh, with the study, it'll take a few weeks, I think. Let's do a good job. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is what some people term the Church of Christ. What the Church is, what God wants to do with the Church, and all of that beautiful, beautiful book. And so we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing book that I believe will help us a lot to understand uh, what God wants to do with us and also for the Church at large. Okay, let's uh, stop here.